Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to episode 5 of Cosmographia, the Greek Romans, the Egyptians and us, a podcast that is streamed on Apple Podcasts, Google, Geo7, Ghana, Spotify and dozen more podcast platforms. A topic for the day is Ovid and his Ages of Mankind. To classify Ovid, that is Publius Ovidius Nasso, as one of the alleged successors of Latin Lycrotia Eratians after Callimachus, Virgil, or Lucretius, would be an erroneous interpretation, since critic James Henry, someone who would entirely analyze Virgil's Aeneid, has said that Ovid was in his own terms, quote, a more natural, a more genial, more cordial, more imaginative, more playful poet than Virgil or any other Latin poet." Unquote. Publius Ovidius Nasso, better known by the abbreviation Ovid and popularly through his work entitled Metamorphosis, was a Latin poet who lived during the times of Augustus, the Roman Empire who had banished him towards Tiempo, a small island on the Black Sea which he himself had termed as a common at error or a poem and a mistake. The Metamorphosis, written during the term of his exile at Tiempo, is in Ovid's own words his magnum opus, or in English called masterpiece. This metahistorical poem, comprised of 11,995 lines, 15 books, and over 250 myths commences with the poet's narration of the creation of the world and ends with the deification of dictator Gaius Julius Caesar, the champion king of the plebeians and the patricians alike. Although today the metamorphosis is widely considered to be one of the most extravagant sources of the 250 mythological tales he has retold, Ovid has his own philosophy in painting down the narrative. An all-striking philosophical revelation in poetry is found in his Ages of Mankind, the second poetic verse by Ovid after he expresses his thoughts on creation, one that unanimously precedes what Ovid calls the various stages that earth has gone through till today. To be precise, he narrates them in a way that seems to be chronological or sequential of what we call in simple English as one after another. He begins his poem not by simply blabbering about various ages that he could thought have existed but by introducing a reader to the epoch he considers golden. Golden in his words is not what material gold is referred to as. Rather, it is by his philosophical orbs that is suited to be a golden age or an age that is deemed to be called golden. Golden was the first age which unconstrained of its goats, with heart and soul obedient to no law, gave honor to good faith and righteousness." Unquote. Ovid considers this age to have been the very early one when humans had just been born on the face of this earth. He describes virtues like faith and righteousness that are ideals of an age as such if that ever really existed. Who knows, perhaps it is another of Plato's Callipolis. Later, he elaborates that this age is one of freedom where man is obedient to no law, an age where there are no penalties 
engraved on plates of bronze and so on. Forging ahead, a reader gets the impression that the division of the ages is done by Ovid, are based on the political conditions present then, and not a geographical evaluationary division. To grasp this, it would be befitting to call in the Silver Age, the Bronze Age and the Iron Age. Just we found that there is ostensibly very less that Ovid has talked about the Silver or the Bronze Age, his only depictions of them as found in the translations by A.D. Melville, Oxford World Classics respectively being. For the Silver Age, I quote, the men's short shelter, shelter under caves and thickets and rough huddles bound with bark, then in long furrows first were set the seeds of grain oxen grown beneath the yoke. Unquote. Number two, Bronze Age. I quote, third in succession came the race of bronze, a fiercer temperament more readily disposed to war, yet free from wickedness. Unquote. Ovid seems to judge the quality of an age or an era, comparing it with the lustre of metal. Since gold appears to be the most precious and lustrous of all metals, he uses golden for the context that was tranquil, virtuous and serene. Succeeding gold, when Jupiter came to rule the skies and the titans fell out of power, he calls it the silver epoch. Next in succession is the tawny bronze, which he has described in two simple statements that highlights how he sees the ages as those that are predetermined by wickedness and cruelty. Since iron is the least precious of the four, it is when mankind is at its climax. Comparing this with the Sanskritic classics as an illustration, these ages are found to be called Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dwapar Yuga and Kali Yuga and the basis of the division is again how wicked human beings transmogrify themselves at the end of each age. Throughout this verse, Ovid also brings about a class differentiation that has in his philosophy evolved over the ages. During the golden and the silver years, all humans were considered equal and lived on treetops inside caves and whatever places they could afford to dwell in. There was neither pride among some nor inferiority towards others. But as time went by and groups warred against each other for survival, they came to have their own leaders, men who loved each member of his group or tribe and would even give his life protecting them, though equally hating their opponents. Thus, in political terms, this phase can be truly adjudged as a transition from being united in all diversities to diversification in unity. A common thing to be noted in all of these depictions and ages by the poet is however that these are his own presumptions and opinions of what these four delineated ages might have looked like and how and in what specific terms humanity might have evolved and become what it has in his days. 
Nevertheless, with regards to what Ovid calls the wickedness of the Iron Age, the last of his philosophical creations of ages, it is best elaborated by the manner Jupiter, the king of gods, in Greek terms called Zeus, reacts to his own creations. I quote, Rightly the knife is used, lest the disease spread and infection draw what still is sound. I unquote. You just listened to the episode 5 of Cosmographia, the Greco-Romans, the Egyptians and us streamed on Apple Podcasts, Google, GeoSava and Ghana and Spotify and dozen other podcast platforms. If you liked it, do subscribe to the show and also do let us know by giving us a feedback to the rating option that you can find on the podcast platforms.